Trade rumors are flying crazy. DeJounte Murray's name getting mentioned with the Utah Jazz. Is it real? And is it something we should want next on Locked on Jazz? You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. And thank you to the everydayers that make us tick. Thumbs ups. On YouTube, are super helpful. Likes, greatly appreciate that. Uh, also, uh, uh, five-star reviews help my ego. And that, oh wait, that doesn't need help. All right, let's discuss what we got for the show today. It's an awkward week. Um, I really would prefer to put my head in the sand and not talk about all the rumors and the trades because I know these guys personally and so I understand what they're going through. On the other end, I do this show for you to make it better for you to be a jazz fan each and every day. And I guess I'm conceding from like a selfish ego standpoint that like I'm actually not having that big an impact in these guys' lives. It's being mentioned in every newspaper, every podcast, everywhere. And I'm listening to all of it just like you are. So I've gone and made a collection of everything that has been mentioned in the last 48 to 72 hours that I could find from... Jake Fisher on the Dunked On podcast to Zach Lowe to Tim McMahon with Zach Lowe to Tony Jones, jumped on with Spence Jackets to where else? Just the hoops hype just has everything. And I'm going to address it today. Um, I I think like one of the things I preach is with Locked On is like do the show for the fan, not for yourself. So if I do the show for myself, we would talk about Oklahoma City being one of the five, one of the two teams in the NBA with a top five offense and top five defense. And we talk about Jalen Williams and who has been upgraded to questionable and incredible play of Shea Gilgis Alexander and this amazing game we have tonight and tell you to buy tickets and come at Utah Jazz and see it. But I think what you want today is what are the latest rumors? What's going to happen? Um, and the rest. So I'll stay to what I've kind of been saying all week is I really think like this idea of trying to put people as either a buyer or a seller is a false narrative on the jazz. I think on, and in fact, if you look at the rumors, the jazz have been involved in mentioning to three or four players, two particularly now who would make us better immediately. And then a bunch of deals that are what I would call asset progression um, or asset evolution. And I'll talk about that. Um, so let's start with DeJounte Murray. Jake Fisher was on the Mark Stein podcast. Jake Fisher was also on the Dunked On podcast. And he talked about, through collection, he, he in the Stein podcast, he basically made it sound like there were only two teams interested in DeJounte Murray, which I, I find hard to believe. And that was the Lakers in Utah. And the Lakers have D'Angelo Russell, and then they're a little hamstrung on what they can do with their picks and how many picks they can move. Detroit's been mentioned in other conversations. Brooklyn's been mentioned in other conversations. And the supposed asking price of the Atlanta Hawks is two first-round draft picks and a player. I don't know that I think they're going to get that, which actually means I think there's a real chance that with DeJounte Murray 
does not get moved to the trade deadline and gets moved in the offseason because a bunch of teams who are restricted in whether they can move picks right now would suddenly be in the game. So the first thing I think that's most important under Jante Murray is the guarantee that he's being moved right now. Uh-uh. I'm not buying that at all. Um, and I'm not actually buying that Atlanta's going to get what they want now. They may end up getting him what they want later. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Mike Conley situation where the Jazz ponied up an extra first-round draft pick in the offseason because the market, if I understand correctly, got tougher for Conley than it was at the trade deadline, and, the, and, and so the Jazz made that deal. Um, so that's the first part. Second part, do the Jazz want DeJounte Murray? Well, just in, if you don't know who DeJounte Murray is, that's fine. Um, let me tell you who DeJounte Murray is. DeJounte Murray is a six foot five, 180 pound lanky guard who came into the league out of the University of Washington. He slid in the first round of the draft to the Spurs and ended up being 28th pick. And he was much more thought of it that there were some various issues why he slid, um, which was probably a mistake by people. And then he tore his ACL after his second year and missed an entire season. At that point in his career, he was very much thought of as like this long, lanky defensive star. Um, he gets hurt, takes kind of the year to come back like everyone does. And then in his fourth year of playing in the NBA, he kind of bursts on the scene as more of a scorer at 24 years old. And then at 25 in his last year with the Spurs, he scores 21 points a game. He has two steals. He has seven rebounds. He has eight assists. This was this was at his peak, the 21-22 season. Spurs team's not good, by the way. That Spurs team is 34 and 48. So it's worth mentioning, like, these are numbers on a not good team. The second best player on that team was probably Derek White. Otherwise, it was, like, Doug McDermott. Like, it's not a good team. Devin Vassell and Keon Johnson were just coming... Kelvin Johnson were just kind of getting established. In, he makes the all-star team, which like changes the perspective everyone has on him. And he gets a bunch of triple doubles. So then people really love him. Silly stat. Um, he goes to Atlanta in a massive deal. So the Spurs who are rebuilding, get off to Jante Murray. And he goes to Atlanta. He's now played two years in Atlanta. He's still a scorer. He's now much more of a scorer than a defensive player. He's a career 30, he's scoring 20 points a game. He's a career 34% three-point shooter. This year, he's at 37%. Um, he used to go to the, he used to never go to the free throw line. Then he went to the free throw line in his best year. Now he's kind of back and forth going to the free throw line. Um, there's been all this question about whether he and Trey Young actually mix and match. And if you watch them play late in games, they look terrible together. I'm not sure they're as bad as everyone makes it sound, and everyone's making it sound like Trey's completely miserable to play with, which I'm sure he's not easy because he has the ball in his hands all the time. But And so DeJounte Murray kind of is becoming an off-guard shooter, which he's not. He's gone from taking about 29. Well, in San Antonio, he took like 20% of his shots as threes because Pop doesn't always buy the three. And then last year was 29. Now this year, he's suddenly taking 35% of his shots as threes. Um, his free throw rate has kind of hovered around the same rate the last three years. Last year it was down a little bit. Um, his last year in San Antonio, he just was the fulcrum for everything in their offense. He had a 27% usage rate and a 41% assist rate. Obviously, that's way down. 
Um, but he's still got a 22% assist rate. His usage rate is at 24, 25, which interestingly enough for all the talk of him being so miserable with Trey Young is higher than it was in all but one year in San Antonio. I do think like DeJounte Murray was thought of as a long time for a defensive player. I think DeJounte Murray thinks of himself as an offensive player now. So why would the Jazz be interested in DeJounte Murray? Well, one, he's 6'5", 180 pounds, and he's long. And it's pretty impressive. And he is kind of a combo guard, and you could very easily see him being a combination, nice combo next to Keontae George. He's 27 years old, which is the exact same age as Lowry Marketing. And his contract's not bad. In fact, I might argue his contract's fine. So his contract, which was just signed, which is, I think, and good sign is got another four years on it with a three years on it with a player option for 25, 27, and 29. That's not terrible. That's NBA starter numbers. That with the way the cap's going up, I think that's actually pretty good. He'll by 27, 28, he'll exercise his player option. So three years of control of DeJounte Murray. So now the question who is 27 years old, 6'5", 180 pound, 20 point a game scoring guard. That's pretty good. That's someone you talk to. You talk about that. You find out. You you talk to Atlanta. You see what they what they want. The question on DeJounte Murray is whether his, his efficiency. So if we go back to the 2021 season, okay, again, so let me back up. 2021 season is his off ACL. 21-22 season is kind of his offensive explosion in San Antonio. The next year is his first year in Atlanta. This is his second year. So this is the year before his offensive explosion. Year before he scores 20, but he has started to use possessions. He's on a team with DeMar DeRozan. His points gained, and for those that are new to the show, points gained is our offensive metric we use exclusively to lock down, which is if you give, take the scoring opportunities that a player has and give them to an average player in the league, how many points above or below average do you score? And the premise here is that below average is far worse than you can imagine. And in and I and I'm gonna pause here. I'm gonna pause here on this Tuesday edition of the show and wait to do points games. It's gonna take a second of the next four seasons of DeJounte Murray and let you decide whether this is a player you want and comment on in the comment section or hit me on X on as well. So we'll do the we're just getting started. The next four the four years of DeJounte Murray's points gained. Plus, we talked about his contract, and so the concept of what would it take to get him. All of that as we continue here on Locked on Jazz today on uh, a Tuesday edition with a trade deadline, Thursday, 1 p.m. Pacific time, or Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Mountain Time Thursday. We'll be in Phoenix with, as a team coming, having come back from shoot-around in those nervous moments uh, before that. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai, fabulous. So here's what it was for me. I went and did the market shopping. Obviously, I was working with Blake at the time, but I still did the market shopping and found out that I could get the best bang for my buck. So the best safety ratings, the best features, the safest car, car I liked for the best price. And so since I've been doing this for seven years with the Murdochs, now maybe eight, we have purchased three Hyundais. 
two Santa Fe's, honestly, one for each of the kids. Um, because once I saw my kids drive, I realized the idea of having a beater with no safety features was not what I wanted. Um, and two was the Ionic five for myself. So, cause I want an electric car. That's, and all the decisions were the same that when I did the market research, what I saw was for the best use of my dollar. I Hyundai did Hyundai answered it. And then I liked the Hyundai. So if you're looking for a car right now, I strongly suggest looking at the Hyundais and seeing if that you, your research matches. And then I suggest the Murdochs have been in business for over 80 years in Utah with the no regrets system to make sure that you uh, feel rewarded. And then three, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com because I'm going to give you the lockdown VIP treatment that you deserve over at Murdoch Hyundai. So d- email me at dlock09 at gmail.com so that we can make sure we give you that VIP treatment that you deserve over at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. It's Super Bowl week, and we've got an amazing deal for you from FanDuel. That's right. First time customers join today and get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So just make sure you're going to win the first bet. And then get $200 in bonus bets to play around with on Super Bowl with which player will score first touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com locked on. To sign up, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. By the way, FanDuel Sportsbook tonight. What do we got? NBA, the NBA Jazz are a three-point underdog at home to the Oklahoma City Thunder, a as and a three and a half point. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, by the way, are a three and a half point favorite against the Milwaukee Bucks. That is over at fanduel.com slash locked on. Sorry, daughter calling. Need to let her know that I'm doing the show. Hopefully nothing's urgent. Um, Parenting always seems to come into the show. Um, there we go. Um, all right. Now let's do points gained under Jante Marie. Um, by the way, jazz thunder tonight tickets available at utahjazz.com. If you've not seen the thunder, they might be in the NBA finals this year. So you might want to come out and watch them. Uh, game will also be on Sirius XM. All hometown broadcasts are available on Sirius XM. Ron and I will be there for you. All right. Here we go. Four years ago, DeJounte Murray's points gained was one negative 1.9. Of all guards in the NBA, he was one of the single least efficient players in the NBA. At minus 1.9 of guys that actually played that year. There were only about about seven guys that were worse, maybe maybe a few more. Um, the only guys that were really worse than him were Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, Killian Hayes, Michael Carter Williams in his last year in the league, Chris Dunn, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, Markel Fultz, and that was it. Isaiah Thomas, kind of bouncing around trying to get in the league. So that's that was. Four years ago. 
Then, so he goes from negative 1.9. The next year when he scores his 22, now he's really an offensive explosion. He's the primary option. They've traded DeMar DeRozan. He goes to minus 1.3. He only takes 19% of his shots as a three, only 7% of his shots at the free throw line. The history is just taking such inefficient shots. It's almost impossible to be efficient. He's using 20 scoring opportunities tonight. He's at a minus 1.3. He goes to Atlanta. Uh, plays the first half year under Nate in the second half year, and his free throw percentage drops even further. He's now only going to the line 5% of his possessions. Like, there's zero chance you can be efficient doing this. He takes 25% of his shots as threes. Again, pretty low for a guard. Like, Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to the free throw line as little as DeJounte Murray is, but he's shooting 51% of his threes. And he's in the league average efficiency player. DeJounte is at a minus 1.6 again. So a year ago, minus 1.6. Let me put that in in what kind of the impact that is and where he was a year ago at minus 1.6. Guys who are equally inefficient. Scotty Barnes, Justice Holiday, LaMelo Ball, Jalen Green, Kelly Oubre, RJ Barrett, Paulo Boncaro. Actually, C.J. McCollum did not have a good year last year. Fred Van Vliet. So high volume guards inefficient. This year in Atlanta, he's much improved. And so you've got to figure out why. Okay. So this year, he's a minus 0.8. Still not going to the free throw line very much at all. 6.5%. 29% of his shots are threes, which is better. And he's making 37% of his threes while playing 35 minutes a night, which is much more than he ever has before. Is that real? Is that because he's playing off Trey Young? So for all the negatives of supposedly playing with Trey Young that we hear about all the time, is it actually maybe that Trey Young's getting him wide open looks? It's not an easy one to answer entirely. I looked into his catch and shoot numbers. This is not a guy who's a natural catch-and-shoot player. He likes to play with the ball in his hands. If we grabbed him, he'd probably have to be our primary ball handler. But just so you have it, DeJounte Murray, catch-and-shoot this year. He's taking three and a half. He's hitting 36% of his catch-and-shoot threes. That's dead on league average. Maybe a notch below. League average might be up to 37, 38. Off the bounce threes, he's at two and a half at 37%. That's above league average. We don't have that. Other than Keontae, we don't really have anyone who's an above-the-break three-point shooter off the bounce. So that's a really interesting little note on him. So the question is, is he a more becoming a more efficient player as he becomes more mature offensively? His rim, his shooting at the rim this year is way down, 57%. From last year at 69 and the year before 67, the year before 65. <clears throat> He's young enough that that doesn't bother me, but that tells me he could be even more efficient. His three-point shooting, we talked about, is up. His long two game is really good this year. 48% from 10 to 16 feet and 54% on long twos. That's great. He's only shooting those 8% of the time. He's taking a few less. And his floater game's not bad, 50%. He's taking a lower percentage 
of shots as twos than he's taken before in his career is down to 65%. He's trending in the right direction. So DeJounte Murray is a six foot five, 20 point a game scoring guard whose efficiency is trending in the right direction, who has a good contract. You talk about it. The question now is, are they really going to get a player and two first round picks? And are the Jazz going to be the ones that give them? And then when you look at the Jazz picks, which ones are you willing to give up? Like you might be willing to trade Minnesota's 2025 first round pick. Looks as though Minnesota's still going to be good next year. But I don't know if I want to go much deeper than that. And I don't know if I want to give away any of Cleveland's picks. Now, the other one on DeJounte Murray is he is a high-level starter is the way I would call it. After the 11th pick of the draft, the chances of getting a rotation player is 50-50. So if you can protect your picks, top 10 protected per se, to Atlanta, or maybe you give a Minnesota's 2025 and a top 10 protected pick somewhere else and some other piece, and you're giving up one and a half rotation players for DeJounte Murray, that's a good deal. That's a really good deal. So it's possible. All right. What are the other names being mentioned today? Zach Lowe said he's hearing a lot of discussion about Kelly Olynyk. What I thought was interesting about Kelly Olynyk was some of the names mentioned are Boston, Houston, and Miami. Can you give Kelly Olynyk a greater compliment than everybody who's ever had him wants him back? Like, truly, let's just give him the greatest compliment you can give a guy, and that is that every single guy, every single person who's had him wants him back. Tony Jones talked on Spence Checkett's show that he heard that Jordan Clarkson would like to go to the Knicks. I've also heard the Knicks are unwilling to give up Quentin Grimes, which I'm sure is what the Jazz would want, along maybe one of their picks. The Jazz could get one of those protected picks, probably worth it. Here's the game you're playing. This is the crappy part about this. You're playing asset evolution. So in the case of Kelly Olenek, it's Boyan Bogdanovich becomes Kelly Olenek that becomes what? In the case of Jordan Clarkson, Dante Exum becomes Jordan Clarkson that becomes what? You really can't afford to pick these things up and then have them not evolve into something else. That's that's the unfortunate asset evolution of an NBA building an NBA franchise. When you can get like Simone Fontecchio, I, I have to believe every good team wants Simone Fontecchio. I have to believe it. He's so good. Such a perfect player for a good team. I mean, and he's a restricted free agent, so just trade him and re-sign him bring him back trade him to a team you know can't afford him sign him we have cap space and bring him back kidding kind of not really um but if you can take a player like that who you're able to acquire through international scouting and then turn it into some other asset that's a big win because you're taking that from being nothing dante you took the fifth pick which didn't turn out to not be a value of the fifth pick as he has career developed turned it into a tarnished asset in jordan clarkson rehabilitated the tarnished asset and then you see if you can move it and then from where Dante was to that you're in that's asset that's asset evolution that's really good Boyan was a free agent you signed used cap space we could probably back up to where the cap space became available then Boyan kind of wants to be traded and you trade him and then he wants you want to 
I mean, the Jazz are in the chain, right? The turnover. So everyone, they're moving. And you get Kelly Olenek, which opened up the door for Lowry Marketing, but you also get Kelly Olenek. And now if you turn Kelly Olenek into something, you're keeping that asset going, which you kind of create out of thin air with cap space. You know, like the Joe Ingles knee surgery is just a huge bummer because of the fact that like Joe Ingles was out of thin air and then nothing because of the knee injury. So that's all we mentioned. All right, bunch of other names being mentioned in trade rumors. I will touch on who those names are. Um, one of them is particularly interested, which is Miles Bridges because of his contract, but also because of his off-court stuff. So we'll touch on that briefly and then touch on some other players. And last night I had some offensive insanity I wanted to share, and I don't know that we're going to get to other trade teams. So that is all the things that are still coming on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Next segment of Locked on Jazz today is brought to you by our friends over at BetterHelp. Convenient, flexible online therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. The way I like to talk about therapy whenever we talk about BetterHelp is performance enhancing drugs for your brain. But it's not drugs. It's just thought process. It's making you understand why you do what you do. Understand why, whether it's big or small, you're in the same situation again. Uh, maybe you need to let out some emotions and feelings so you can better react to them in the future. Why do you keep ending up in the same hole that you were relationship-wise in the past? Whatever it might be that you feel that you feel you need to talk about or that you think can help you improve, that's what therapy is for. And starting therapy with BetterHelp is pretty great because it's entirely online, designed to be flexible, and suited to your schedule. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA gets you 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA, 10% off your first month. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. BetterHelp, performance enhancing for the brain. Trade deadline rumors, 1 o'clock Thursday, Mountain Time. Um, all right, let's get to, here are some of the names. D'Angelo Russell is being talked about a ton out of the Lakers. I don't think he matches any of our timelines. Miles Bridges, who had 40 last night for Charlotte's being mentioned. He has a pending court case. He was out for a year for domestic violence. Still has a pending court case. He's his. This is super, can we call the contractual stuff interesting? So he's an $8 million contract because he took the qualifying offer. Because he took the qualifying offer, if he gets traded, he has no bird rights, which means that somebody cannot go over the cap to sign him. Uh, part two of that is he also has can block a trade. He has a basically no trade clause. So that if the Charlotte Hornets want to trade Miles Bridges to a team that has no cap space, for next year, then Miles Bridges, who sympathy or not, has probably already lost close to $60 million that he was going to get, maybe as much as 100, would then suddenly be on a team that had no ability to re-sign him. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent on a marketplace without a lot of cap space or a lot of teams that he'd want to go to with cap space. So his agent, Rich Paul, has a really interesting little game he's playing here with his client who has had off-court issues and has basically sat out last year and then signed the qualifying offer this year when he probably had $150 million 
contract coming his direction. So, I mean, he's a 20 point a game score in the NBA. So the question, so the question for them, which is super interesting, is who do they approve a trade to? And it's probably got to be a team that has cap space in the offseason to be able to re-sign him to a decent-sized deal from their perspective. If he gets traded to a team that's like in the luxury tax or something of that nature, he has zero chance of re-signing with them. They also have to read the market and whether or not he is, at this point, a player people are willing to sign. So that through some very unfortunate circumstances, is interesting. Okay, I'm going to go with that. Dorian Finney-Smith, again, probably not on our timeline, but interesting name being mentioned. DeMar DeRozan, probably not on our timeline, but interesting name. P.J. Washington out of Charlotte's being mentioned. That is an interesting name. He torched us. Um, He's also the right age. Um, So worth keeping an eye on with Charlotte there. Um, If you look at Charlotte, P.J. Washington at this point is 25 years old. Miles Bridges is 25 years old. LaMelo's only 22. It's just not clear what they're doing on their timeline. They have Mark Williams who's 22 as well. Andrew Wiggins is being mentioned. Andrew Wiggins has had a funky year. Golden State uh, might try. I mean, it's just a massive savings for them. He could be relatively cheap. He's at $28 million each of the next two years with a player option on the next year. If you believe he's going to play that at 28 years old, he's on our timeline. I, I don't think you can dismiss that one entirely. At 28, Lowry's 27, athletic, former number one pick, wing. Definitely has not been tuned in the last 15 months to the level he was for their championship year. Complimentary player, not a go-to guy, but 30 million is a starter in the NBA. That's not a bad contract. Tyus Jones is being mentioned a bunch of places. We have Chris Dunn, so I can't, I see them as similar. Bobby Portis has now been mentioned. Grant Williams has now been mentioned. Chris Boucher is out of the rotation in Toronto, been mentioned. So a lot of names to be mentioned. Quick note on last night's games. Atlanta and it, the Clippers, Atlanta, Cleveland, New Orleans all had offensive ratings over 137 last night. I think the conversation about this is wrong. First of all, the first thing is like everyone wanted to quell the offense. Like we're not talking about minor numbers here. Like, oh, if we do this, we do that. You'd have to make such a dramatic change to this game right now to try to bring it back. I, I don't know what you would do. The cats, the guys have gotten too good. The space is too big. The players are 10 years past Steph Curry's explosion. Everyone knows how to play now. Brandon Miller is like the number two pick of the draft, had 30 last night. He's fabulous because there's just more fabulous players coming every night. What... I do think the conversation should be is what are the things that used to be unacceptable that are now acceptable? Will Hardy's been on the core front edge of this. So for example, like playing zone defense, which used to not be good enough to play and you didn't want to play zone defense because teams would torch it seemed like a really bad idea. I actually now something like playing zone defense doesn't seem like a bad idea anymore because while we talk about, Oh, the zone got torched. The man's getting torched every play. The offensive rating this year in January in the NBA was the highest month we've ever had in NBA history. And the offensive rating was a 117.2. So far in February, oops, sorry. I just searched to 1970. 
So far in February, the offensive rating has gone back down to 116.6. That's not uncommon that we slip a little bit as you head into the trade deadline. First of all, we're early into February. It's early games, but it's, it's guys can get tired. So it's not, we'll see if it, if it goes up in February and then it's going to go up another two points in March, then we're at 120. That's just an insanity level. So we'll see. All right. I was going to do some trade teams today, but I think we've covered most of it. All right. Hope you enjoyed the trade conversation. It's all out there. We'll be back with it tomorrow. Jazz, Oklahoma City, Thunder. We'll be breaking that one down. Should be a really fun one. Watch Shea, see the Jazz play the Thunder. All here. Uh, Catch it on Utah Jazz app, on KSL Sports Zone, on Sirius XM, on the NBA app. Have a great day. And we now send you the first ever 24-7 national sports channel. It is Locked On Sports Today.